everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the What No One's Asking For podcast. Brian Burchick here, and whether you've been with us all season long, or maybe this is your first time listening, either way, so happy that you're here. Today's episode is named Comparing and Competing, and we really dive into these kind of human struggles around, you know, why does someone's success make me feel like I'm not successful enough? Or why does more for someone make it feel like it's less for me? Um, I think you'll find a lot of um, just maybe comfort in this conversation as well as some paths forward uh, in these very human struggles that I think we're all dealing with at some level. So without further ado, let's jump into comparing and competing. So typically... You know, Brian would be kicking us off. He's kind of our producer. He's our he's our host, and, yep. and you are a great host. But I've um, abdicated my power. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start us off this morning. Um, this is Matt, joined by Brian Burchick. Heyo, McClure. Heyo. And we, me and Drew, feel like this is worth talking about. The, the this episode, Brian was on the fence, so we just <laughs> said, all right, we'll just lead, and you can just participate in the conversation. Yeah. Which is how we've kind of felt, which is how we've kind of felt on a couple other ones. Like I've always thought it's a good idea, but I'm like, I can't carry this. So that's good. Good for you to feel it. So I'm going to start off with, go ahead, Drew. I was going to say certain topics are going to be more relevant to someone that one day or one season than someone else. So I think that's why, yeah, we can roll with something that may not be as pressing or as relevant to you right now, but maybe to two out of the three it is. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm totally open. Um, but I've always just wrestled with um, being a very competitive person. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I grew You're up in a competitive. competitive family. Like I have my dad's one of seven and, yeah. you know, there's just sure a lot of competition. Of your, I'm sure it's one of your strength finders for anyone. Yeah, who's done that. Probably. I'm sure competition was like, yeah, it was, I, it was number one. The first time I took it, it was number, number one. one. There I was we like, go. Dude, what's wrong with me? I'm like fundamentally <laughs> flawed, you know? Yeah. So my uncles are always competing against each other and I love it. Like there's so many good things about it, but I've wrestled with it. Um, cause I'm, I can be competitive within my family. And then it's like, gosh, I'm not even enjoying these people. I'm competitive with my kids. Yeah, I won't let <laughs> them Kart. win games. Like <laughs> I will tell them if you beat me in checkers, I'll give you a hundred dollars. You know, there's <laughs> no way it's gonna happen. You know, and they <laughs> want that prize. You know, they'll be like, go easy on me. And I'm like, if I go easy on you, yeah. you're not it's not really gonna feel life's good. not gonna you know? go easy on you, buddy. <laughs> I want you to beat me outright, you know. So I mean, I I compete with my wife, dude. I'm like trying to beat my wife in games and then you know that's not going to end up in a good result you know later on in the weekend it's <laughs> <laughs> like so so I've, I've wrestled with this so that that just we talked about acceptance we talked about um heroic individualism and how that's a, a a myth and a pitfall um but i'm still stuck in it okay number one and then number two i see this kind of vision to say, what would it look like if I lost the desire to compete with people in an unhealthy way, right? Where I have to have more than them. I want what they have. I want to beat them in life. Like I I just see myself wasting energy here and I see potential. Um, And so that's why I wanted to start the conversation. Like I need this conversation, which is what Mm. that's been the crux of our group and our Marco Polos and our, the reason we're recording these, like, man, I need this, you know? Yeah. yeah, I 
Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting because I think part of the reason I wasn't like so amped to necessarily have this conversation is like, I think I'm wired differently than you Reynolds. Cause I find that like, I don't have this strong competitive impulse. Um, but I remember I, I haven't even thought about this in so many years, but this whole strings finder assessment thing, I remember achiever was one of my really high ones, which is different than competition because achievement is all about your personal achievement. And so yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but like growing up in sports, it's like if I had a good game, but we lost, I was okay with that because I personally <laughs> achieve or, or even like if my team, if I play good and my team, win the wins the first game in this little pickup, then I'm like, all right, you know what? I feel a sense of achievement here. I might not be engaged in the next game. Whereas Reynolds, I kind of think you, a guy like you, that's so competitive. If there's a game being had, then you want to win. Whereas win I kind game. of, yeah. I kind of have like this achievement box. And if I check that box, then I'm kind of like, it's, I, I kind of can check out or not engage. So I think obviously personalities have a, play a big part in the competitiveness. Um, what does it look like to, to have a competitive drive at some level, but also choosing community? Um, and so I don't know, Drew, what? Yeah, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Cause I want to talk about deep community, not just like surface level, like, yeah, yes. let's, let's have a good community. But yeah, Drew, let me get your hot take on this first before we, we go any deeper. Well, I want to broaden it out a little bit or, or just almost like we took a kind of a broad look at the idea of heroic individualism and just knowing that's a current, that's kind of the way I think about it. It's like, that's a current in our society that you feel, you know, that you can get swept up in current meaning like rushing of water, you know? And I had on my other podcast where I interviewed these founders of companies uh, yesterday, I was talking to this guy named Thomas Wally and he has created this amazing tech company and it's grown like crazy, but he's from Norway and mm -hmm. his team is global. And so half of his like team is Nordic in a sense, you know, like Norway, Sweden, mm -hmm. Finland, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then the other half is American. Mm -hmm. He's in New York. And so it was really fascinating talking about the benefits and the challenges culturally of each, right? Right. And this topic was one of the things we dove into. He said, I, one of the things he found so surprising is if he went to his Norway team, let's say for instance, and said, hey, how's it going? They'd be like, well, this is going great. This is not going great. We need help here. But they'd be very transparent about it. He said, if he talks to his American team and says, how's it going? They'll say, great. Everything's good. great. <laughs> and then in, like six months later, he finds out things were not great. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? Uh, and he, was, he said that that's been the most interesting part is that people won't be transparent about what they need wow. or saying they're struggling or even pushing back on him. He's like, my Nordic, my, you know, my, my, yeah. uh, my almost Icelandic or whatever. What's the region? It's not Nordic. I know he's from Norway, but. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's I can't think of the word. It's, it's, like, it's like the Dutch. It's like, you know, yeah. Sweden. Whatever that little region is. Because he's got a yeah. team all right there with no I'll Norway, Finland, it. all whatever. So part of it's being more blunt, you know, but I was like, man, the undercurrent of that, that he said that that team, you know, where he's from is way easier at pushing back on him and not being a big deal. Just be like, oh, that's a bad idea. I don't like that or whatever. And we kind of play it a little nicer and yeah. then withhold and so we start talking about the benefit why he moved to new york is the entrepreneurialism that there's mm -hmm. more drive here yeah and that people will build and scale beyond what he would see there but the yep. downfall is that everyone feels like they have to hide or 
not ask for help that that's weakness or whatever. So anyways, yeah, uh, just a little more context. It was like, I'm just having this conversation yesterday about the difference in those cultures. And he's like, both have positives and both have like the dark side yeah. of yeah. what's not good, you know? Right. Scandinavia. That's what Scandinavia. it is. That's yeah. what it is. No. And, and so that's where that tall kind of poppycock is. It's like, no one wants to rise above. Yes. You kind of uh, get cut down. Yeah. It's a little bit more of that. And, and, and that's a struggle to like be bold and be heroic. Like they almost honor, cause I have a lot of friends over there that are like, man, these are the good things about being American. Like you guys go for it. You guys think yeah. you can do crazy stuff. Oh, you this know? was the interesting, sorry. This was the interesting perspective I've never thought about because he talked about how like job security works here versus there. Again, he wasn't saying one's better than the other. So he was saying in Scandinavia, because there's more of that, like he said, it's really hard to get fired. <laughs> You yeah, know, like what kind of social. Yeah, it's really hard to get fired or you've got plenty of notice and there's that safety net type of thing. People yeah. take more chances like they're more, they're they're almost more OK disagreeing or whatever, because it's like, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be hard for you to fire me over a difference in opinion where he's like here. I could fire you tomorrow. I don't technically mm -hmm. have to give you any notice, you know, and so he's like, I think people unknowingly feel that like, well, my job's not that secure, so. Uh, anyways, I don't want to take it about jobs and all that kind of stuff, but I, I think yeah. it fits with the heroic individualism that we all are noticing, man, there's that subtle competition, isolation type of thing that might be natural for us. The, the things I see, and I wrote down just kind of this list, like if I'm living in that heroic individualism, it's all up to me and I'm not being vulnerable. I'm not leaning on anybody else. I don't have deep community, which I want to talk about. I think some of the symptoms are loneliness I, that just makes so much sense i'm going yeah. to be lonely i keep a lot of things to myself until i finally make it and then i can talk about it i think i'm isolated you know because it's just me in my little world and then i build a smaller world in that i've got a whole world in my head where i'm like just constantly living in you know and and not um you know sharing with other people then there, I think there's a that false self, whatever your false self is, that ego inflation is going to happen, whether you succeed or not. You're just, you're, you're, you're overinflating yourself or you're beating yourself up in your right. head, you know? So I think there's that sense of isolation. And then I think you have even more pressure because you feel like everyone else is doing stuff, but I'm not. I look at all these symptoms, like more than that, like there's stress, there's anxiety. You can struggle with self-esteem because you don't have anybody encouraging you or telling you what's the good that you're not seeing um, lack of outlet for vulnerability sharing. Everything's bottled up, which again, I think the emotional stuff you're going through, you end up carrying it in your body. And then I think your body literally starts breaking down because yeah. you're carrying all this stuff and you have no outlet, you know? I mean, how much we've seen just talking about the dumb stuff, talking about our struggles, talking about what we yeah. hate about our life or whatever. Like, I, I just, I just think that heroic individualism thing just takes you down that road further and further. Um, so that's, that's kind of the problem I see. That's, that's the the thing that I know I can fall into if I'm not having these conversations with you guys, you know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting in this, the book, the practice of groundness that I've, I've mentioned several times, he did some research or he, he uncovered some research one around the loneliness. He said it's more than tripled. In the last few decades, the reported uh, wow. uh, loneliness. So he said it was around, it. in terms of um, constant. So it was around eleven percent in the eighties. It's up to forty. It was up to forty percent in two thousand ten. Forty percent, and that's that's mean like daily they feel lonely, 
up to 72% if you're talking about occasional loneliness. And then he said, loneliness is associated with elevated levels of the stress hormone, cortisol, poor sleep quality, and increased risk for heart disease and stroke, accelerated cognitive decline, heightened systemic, systemic inflation, reduced immune function, anxiety, and depression. And one of the things he says later that he thinks is why all that stuff happens is because, you know, almost biologically, we were wired for, especially back in the day when things were actually dangerous around us, you know, yeah. like in tribal living, community meant safety. Like yeah. it meant we might be able to survive the famine because we could pull together or we could defend against the invading tribe or we could, you know, band together and survive. Yeah. And isolation means danger. Like, oh crap, like it's all up to me. And if I don't farm, you know, that kind of thing. So he's like, I think we still have that old hardwire that yeah. when we're alone, we just have a fight or flight response to the danger. We just feel constantly in danger. And that feeling of constantly in danger creates a lot of what you're talking about, Matt. Yeah. Well, and I, I think may, maybe one reason I was a little hesitant on this topic, part of it is I just feel like uh, the three of us are actually insane. If we we're talking about community and relationships and connection, I mean, we are like insanely blessed in this regard. You know, we're, we, we're married, we have kids, we have close friendships that date back 20 years. Like I, that's amazing, right? And, and like incredibly privileged to have all that because at the end of the day, like even life in the pandemic, you know, it's like you had those fundamental relationships and, you know, to me, it's like when I'm at work and I go out for lunch, it's like just having the privilege of calling my wife for a meaningless five minute talk, but it's just somebody to call. It's someone to just connect with. And then, you know, there's obviously so much purpose too with, kids and that's a that is your like immediate community but it's I almost feel like not guilty but almost like dude I don't know how to th there's a lot there that that created those types of relationships and those are I'm really grateful for those but that being said like whether you have those webs of relationships and connections or not strangely there is you can still be lonely even with all that and that's what's kind of crazy and weird is like even you can be in a relationship with someone you can have children whatever it might be you can have friends and yet still be experiencing yeah. a lot of those things that Reynolds you just kind of went through those and, and and experiencing the things that Drew you just mentioned with well yeah and think about this I mean again this is just just to get just to keep going deeper and more practical with it like I can be with people I can be with my closest friends like I'm about to be on this guy's trip you know <laughs> me and Drew and a few others are going on this trip. Like I can be with people. And if my posture is this competing thing and this, that one upping culture that so many of us have experienced. And it's like, I'm with you, but I'm not really with you. I'm still isolated. I'm just trying to tell you, you know, why I'm great, the things that are going good. So I feel good about myself and I don't feel like a loser <laughs> instead of actually being with you which to me is a change of posture you know and that's what i like about this what is my posture going to be is it going to be constantly competing with people or can i kind of form that deep community which is like man i really want to know what's going on with you if it's great or not and just to share in that with you and um i don't know have that deeper camaraderie because again i'm in this new season where i, I don't know what i'm going to be doing fully job wise and it, it feels like a scarce world 
Okay. Limited opportunities. Yeah. That's what limited relation, like connections. Limit, like, I got to get out there and hustle. And if I tell someone else about an opportunity, that might mean less for me, less, I'm not going to get enough stew. And I can feel this thing, you know, my intuition and even like connected to my faith, honestly, feels like, don't take this posture. Don't fall into this mindset. Like there's another way to do it where my challenge even to myself is like, how can I try to help other people and be generous in this time when I don't have a ton going for me, just trusting that someone else is going to do that for me. Like if I take that posture to help other people and serve other people and, you know, help my friends, basically, then somebody's going to help me. You know, I'm just trusting someone's going to be like rooting for me. And I just feel way happier and more fulfilled when I live a day that way. But that is a struggle right now for me. So I, you know, I even drew, you know, he's, he's on par for these great opportunities, these speaking opportunities. I'm like, man, those sound like awesome things that like, if I was honest, I would love to do something like that one day. I have a lot of self-doubt. Like, can I even do that? Is that me? And then if Drew lands one of these things, like, dude, I just crushed it. I'm getting paid. Why is one of my first reactions like, oh man, I'm so happy for Drew, but like, dang, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never like, I'm not good enough. Like I can't fully celebrate with him because that means there's not enough for me, which is just not true. But like, I'm just telling on myself, like that's where I can struggle. I think that's where the meat is, at least in terms of relevance. Like we've talked about vulnerability. This is going to be part of this conversation for sure. But like we did a great conversation around vulnerability and friendship. I think this is what's interesting is why or recognizing the the kind of built-in default like way of seeing the world that is scary and scarce and that more for you is less for me right now right if you're succeeding then i'm losing uh, yeah we genuinely just think it's like more for you is less for me and yeah and what is happening with you is a reflection of me you know what i mean meaning like Mm. what's wrong with me that blank you know yeah What's wrong with me that my career hasn't gone that way yet? Or that, you know, your family looks like this. And I mean, I know it's cliche, but like in my world, it's actually LinkedIn more than it is social media. Mm. You know, like, again, this is just my world, right? I'm not saying generalizations, but like for my wife, where she could fall into like comparison and whatever is seeing all, you know, on social media, they look so happy all the time. Their family looks so happy all the time. Oh man, they're just rich and thriving. I don't really Mm -hmm. give it you know, two shits about that because on LinkedIn is where you celebrate your business success. It's, it's where you look like a thought leader. It's where you are celebrating the next, you just got your series B round of 150 million and your little company is like, can we keep the lights on this quarter? You know? (laughs) And and so (laughs) when I talk to the people I talk to, they mention the same thing. Like they don't say I gotta be careful how much I'm on Instagram. They're thinking I gotta be careful how much I'm on LinkedIn. It can ruin my day. I can feel like I've, I've missed it. My whole career has been a waste. Right. Uh, I'm, I can't provide for my family. What's wrong with me as a person, you know, and, and mm-hmm. male and female. Like, it, it's, it's not just male. It's like, if that's your thing right now, right, that you're focused on your career, that feeling of I can't be happy, that's my friend. But I don't know. It, it, what is that? I, I, I'm curious about that, that interaction right there. Right. And Reynolds, you had a great win. You know, you had a great win that we're that's what we were talking about it's like you were hesitant to share it with us oh yeah i had this huge breakthrough that i had been sharing with you guys this journey 
And it was funny because I wanted to tell y'all like first, because you know, intimately like the self-doubt that, I mean, I'm taking this huge yeah. leap, dude. I, I mean, I'm risking everything. In your career, you're making a huge career. In change. my career. Yeah. Which yeah. we should have said that at the beginning of the last two episodes ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie yeah. mistake. So like I'm in this and, and Drew's helped me. Brian's helped me. I mean, this took me like, you know, as I said on the other episode, a year, two more to make the leap. Then you make the leap and you're like, Oh crap. You know, like I, I'm an idiot. I'm scared. Like I'm feeling all this stuff. And then you have this, I mean, literally like one of the best things I could have. I mean, just, just, I still can't even believe it's real. Like, and so I want to tell y'all, but then I'm like, Oh no, I, how's this going to be received? Like, I don't know. I I'm trying to figure out how to articulate it. Like, well, you know, if someone else doesn't see a, a breakthrough, like, then is this, I don't know. I not like, is it, I feel bad. Not like it's gloating. Cause I, that wasn't my part, but I was, I was like nervous to share it. You know what I mean? I really was. And then here's the funny thing. <laughs> and then, and then it, you, I could see you were on there at first year, but then you kept, you know, popping on and off. And then, but then I didn't hear anything. So I was like, Oh man, Drew, Drew heard the success and, and couldn't handle I don't know what he's going to say. You know, I, what's his response going to be? I I had this nervousness and I mean, I've known y'all for, you talked about the Drew. We've known each other for 20 years. That's why I think it's relevant. 20 years. And we we still don't know how to do this. Yeah. That's why I think it's relevant. It's like, we have 20 years of friendship and we are, and and we feel this way. Like have to work through it, you know? Yeah. Then how much more would you feel if you've known someone for a year and you're close, but not that close, but that's your chance of building a deeper connection with that group or that people. You're going to feel that even more. The reality was, by the way, I told you I was on a run and it wouldn't <laughs> let me watch more than a two seconds of your video. And so I kept Xing it out, starting it again. Right. It out. But no, but I did have to work through a, a conflicting feeling. Right. Yeah. And just like you would with us. And so I at least see that as practice. Right. Like, well, and the, for the two hours until I got some feedback from y'all, I was like, "Oh man, oh, shit. I did I say it right?" I, I was, I was like, "It's like when you text like a, you know, girlfriend, she, and you know, three see the little ghosty lines, but then there's leave it no unread. response. You're like, what? I like, couldn't. I was preoccupied with it. I really was. Um, which I think that's good in one sense because I like really care about. Um, I don't know what y'all think in our, our relationship, but I, yeah, it just, it felt good to confess this to, to the world. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, what is it, you know? So, I mean, I'd love to unpack it even more, you know? I'll give um, my two, two thoughts. Uh, that's the only two thoughts I have. And then Brian, I want to hear how you, re- how you relate to this, but I actually heard this on the radio this morning where this, the radio host said she was talking about when she was struggling to get pregnant and, you know, her friends were getting pregnant and she said mm. it was hard mm. to articulate even to myself that it was possible for me to be happy for you and sad for me at the same time. Mm. That both of those were actually could exist. Like I can, yeah. I can be happy for you and sad for me at the same time. And it doesn't cancel itself out. And mm. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty cool that like both can kind of actually stay in that tension, you know? Mm. But the second thing is, so I think I could, I think I could be happy for, let's say in this example, I could be happy for Matt and still sad that I haven't had A, B, or C, right? Right. That's not necessarily that they're, it doesn't mean I'm not happy for you. Two though, is I think I have a natural bend to see the universe as scary and scarce sometimes, especially when you take big risks like this. And that mm. this is an opportunity 
to choose to weaken that thinking and go, right. Hey, that's all that's happening right now. It's not actually about like how good is my heart towards you or do I want the best? It's like, Oh, this is exposing that kind of faulty way of thinking that more for you is less for me or whatever. Right. And like, let's weaken that bond of my thinking by kind of pressing in right now. In, oh in, man. In my own self, I love it. Know? That's, that's good. So Brian, yeah, man, what, what, where do you struggle with this? I mean, do you struggle with this? Are you just a, no, nope. just a different breed? <laughs> Are you just better than rare, us? You're better than us? <laughs> oh, you're better? Okay. You don't struggle with this? Or... I see. He's just happy for us all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just living yeah, in abundance. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't know why it's so, um, like why does other people's successes have to feel like less for you or I'm sure it's evolutionary. I'm sure it's so many things. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of puzzled by like the why behind that. Like, why is this so fundamentally um, true about how we live and experience things? Um, but yeah, the, the idea of like, can we hold kind of these both things to be true? I heard a, a quote from Amy Poehler's book and it was just this line that she's starting to say, and it sounds like it could be said in a mean way, but it's actually, she's talking about it in a positive way of like when hearing about somebody else's success and, you know, she's in show business. So there's a lot of competition for these great, you know, roles and shows or these great, yeah. you know, Netflix specials. I mean, it's very, you know, obviously it's like easy to have that scarcity mindset in show business, I'm sure. Um, but she's gotten the habit of trying to say that's great for them, not for me. And, you know, this idea of like, hey, like, I'm so glad they got this opportunity or they got this win. That doesn't have to mean that I should have gotten that thing or, yeah. I, you know, so great for them, not for me. Um, and I so that's something I've been thinking about. But just this, I, I don't know, like if entitlement and sort of this notion of that's not fair comes into play. But there's sometimes where I'll hear of mm. some or, or and it might not even make sense like rationally, but the feeling is like, God, it's not fair. Like I didn't get this. That doesn't feel fair. It's like, this is all we hear from our kids, by the way. It's like at oh, the yeah. earliest of ages, oh, yeah. it's yeah. all about yeah. fairness and they got that and that's not fair. And I'm constantly trying to like preach to them, like life's not fair, but I still fundamentally, I think feel that at yeah. times when others experience a success or have built a lifestyle that just seems better. They've, they've hacked it, man. Yeah. They've hacked yeah. it. They've hacked life and yeah. you feel left behind. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know if that, again, I don't, I don't understand all the root causes for that, but I, I certainly feel that often. And I think we're all wanting to like, what's like the redemptive version of competitiveness. Like how can I, to me, it's like the difference between like, I must win versus right. I want to play. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Right. Enjoy mm -hmm. the game, play to win, but right. I, it's not that I must win. I don't have to win. Exactly. Yeah. And I can actually be happy for you if you do win legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. beat me. I'm going to like, be happy for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I I mean, I, I think there's a lot of maturity and like, I don't know, I, how do you, how do you move in that direction? How do you grow towards that? Um, this is profound uh, to me right now. It might not be profound to you, but it's like hitting me right now that I don't struggle with that when I feel 
when I feel very connected and uh, comfortable with my own path and my own life. Yes. Yeah, I really like that. I'm talking. I'm more just about thinking. That. I'm like, man, it has not been hard to celebrate the success or wins of others when I'm currently feeling very content and very like confident in a sense about like my path, my life, my lane. Like, yeah, I'm gonna be okay. Whatever it is, like, I'm gonna be okay. I yes. like this. I feel content with my life, my house, my Want, wanting what you have. Like that's like yeah. In that it actually, right. I think that might be part of it. Is like it helps. It's almost like a mirror moment of why are you so dissatisfied or why are you so scared? And then and the more that we can lean into that, whether it's fulfillment or confidence that like my path is okay and I'm going to be yes. okay or whatever. Right. Is that, does that make sense? It's feeling oh, yeah. so what I would say, it's even like, and I would even use that word identity where it's like, man, I know who I am yeah, and what I'm good at and what I'm not. And I know I'm comfortable with the choices I'm making. I am yeah. making decisions, which means, I mean, the root word of that is to cut. Like, this is what I've decided. <clears throat> you went that way. You took that opportunity. I missed it. Like when I see these people just slaying stand up, like I saw Hassan Minhaj, like when I first saw his Netflix thing, I was like, he did it, man. He did it. And I didn't do it. I, I'm never going to be in stand-up. Like him doing his craft so well, it just yeah. exposed how not good. I like oh, dude, I was like, he did awesome. it. He just laid down the gauntlet. But when I'm in my place of like, dude, this is who I am. Just like you're saying, Drew, I'm grounded in that. Like I'm happy. I'm enjoying myself. Like yeah. I'm literally enjoying my own company. I like who I am. I like what I've done, I even the mistakes, like I've come to peace with them. Like we talked about last episode. I agree. That is the place where I'm best able to enter into someone's success and like literally just be like over the top of it. Like, God, this is so great for you. Like, yeah. I want to be able to get there genuinely. Yes, and it dude. feels good to be there. When you recognize that like you're a unique person that has a unique, you know, set of talent, skills, personality, wirings, all of that you know, the quest is like, how can I be that best version of myself? Um, what's my highest and best, but it's going to be different because you have fundamentally different talent, skills, weaknesses, right. In someone else, you know, and going back to the, the Bible days, uh, I always was so inspired the, the parable about the talents, right. That Jesus talks about where it's like each person has a different number of talents. And that is fundamentally unfair. True. Like, yeah. why is Hassan Minaj so damn talented that he can get up there and command a room of, you know, 20,000 people? I can't do that. Well, because he has a 10 in that talent. You got a two, you know, and that's not fair. Um, but the whole point of the parable was not about the person that has 10 talents is better or more valuable than the person that has five or two or one. The whole point of the parable was, are you investing what you have yeah. to, I guess, to seek becoming that best version of yourself or to, you know, engage in your life in a way where you're moving towards highest and best use? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like does the total that... doesn't matter. It's almost like the, the end amount doesn't matter as much no, as no. your own progress, you know? Yes. And I think that, I think that's really, I mean, there's been a lot of studies. Stanford did a bunch of study uh, studies on like what really is the factors in long-term 
happiness and fulfillment. You know, they studied a whole bunch of people towards the end of their life. What were the commonalities? Uh, some say there's five, others say there are three, but the three are inside the five. So autonomy was one, like mm -hmm. how much, how often did you feel like you had some autonomy in terms of like how you choose your, how you spend your time, your energy, whatever, versus other people dictating that all the time Two, though, is what you're talking about, Brian was competency, mm -hmm. a feeling of mastery, right? Like mastery. some skill you have has been honed to a degree that you feel very proud of and even confident. They're like, I know how to deliver this value to this situation or this group or whatever. Uh, and then the third is a lot of what we're talking about too, which is belonging. And so yes. mm -hmm. those three things like autonomy, competency, belonging seem to be common things in people that report to be quite fulfilled in their life. Uh, they even talked about like Sebastian Younger in his book tribes was talking about that soldiers often reported feeling more fulfilled in battle than they did at home. And right. which is like really weird, right? Because in war, you could lose your life at home. Hopefully you're not in danger of losing your life. When they asked why it was because they had a very clear sense of belonging in battle that there was yeah. like a brotherhood and a bonding and all that kind of stuff. Whereas at home, they felt very isolated and you know, that kind of thing. And so anyway, totally that, I find man. that fascinating. Well, that, no, I, yeah, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's why this is so dynamic because it's like where our conversation has led us so far, we, we, we've ended up bringing it to identity, which is, you know, you tend to think of as like personal and coming to this place of, I think a lot of it is like self-acceptance, you know, becoming more and more okay with who you are and who you're not. Um, this Wayne Muller quote, you know, I, I've got in front of me, it says those who feel most loved are most free to grow, heal and change. So there's this level of like self love, self acceptance. Um, but it is inherently connected to also needing each other and this idea of belonging. So it's like, what a dynamic back and forth between being accepting myself and being confident in who I am. But yet I also need people. And so that's going to be where there's constant friction. Because when I'm with people, that's when I'm reminded, oh, they have a different set of skills. They have a different life than me. Oh, my God, they have a different, you know, uh, bank account. Um, yeah. One well, for me too. not just looking forward, like, okay, how am I going to progress and grow and, and be healthy, be a healthy person stuff. And, and look at the talent I've been given all that stuff. But I look at it going when I'm old and I look back at my life, I want to be proud of the life I've lived. And I can see how being even with my own family, like being scarce about things, holding it in. It's not a generous posture. I tend to regret that, man. I wish I would have given that away when I had the chance. I wish I would have given that or helped that person when they actually needed help. And you can't go back and do those things. And I don't want to live so tight and so scared and so scarce that I look back and I'm like, man, I missed all these opportunities to have yeah. that different posture, not only to serve those people and help, but like, I think I would have just enjoyed the journey. I want to do the journey. Well, I guess is what I'm saying. And I have this like fear sometimes that I'll, so I think it's healthy to go, man, if my, what would my 85 year old self say, what would my 90 year old self say? Here's even a question I've been asking people. Like if you knew everything would work out, in the end, it was all going to work out. How would, how would you invest your day to day? How would you invest your life? Like what things would you do? 
Um, and again, that's why I'm calling it like deep community. Like I, you know, there's the general thing, which is like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. Like, I think what I'm challenging myself in this season is like, man, how can I kind of go above and beyond and just be more generous? Um, expecting that it's, it's somehow it's just going to work out for me, you know, in this place where I do feel a lot of uncertainty and I can feel a lot of insecurity and self-doubt. Um, and I, you know, so that's, I see people who do that, man, and I'm inspired by it. You know, I'm like, God, you didn't have to do that. Like, you're just, you're investing in people. You're giving of what you have in with no strings attached a lot of times. You know, it's not like, so they can get something out of the deal. Like, you can always feel that when people, that's not deep community. I'm talking about like, man, you are extending yourself for me in a way that you don't have to. And there's something beautiful about it, you know? Um, I want to give at least one more angle we haven't explored yet that I think at least belongs in this conversation. Yeah, and, put it in there. So in that same chapter on, on building deep community, one of the angles I forgot about that I think is so relevant is he said, heroic individualism can cause a constant obsession with optimization, mm. right? Which is, that's the double-edged sword. Is like, we know there's something inherent about our own growth and progress that is critical to our sense of competency mm -hmm. and mastery and whatever. But he said, when we become obsessed with optimization, right. <laughs> this feels like a waste of time. So like we almost do the math in our head, like, right. Dude, that's a waste of time. Like it, I, I could be pursuing I could be bettering growth. myself. I could be bettering yeah, myself help you? Yep. Instead, instead of helping you or just connecting with you. So he even mentioned right. like just working out to you. He said, like, when I go to the gym, he said, I noticed I started choosing to go by myself instead of going with friends to work out because it worked better for my schedule. I could get done quicker. You know, I, I basically had a more optimized workout. We weren't wasting time talking. I could be in and out in 40 minutes and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, that's an optimization thing. And he's like, but I was missing the connection of being at the gym with my friends in the same place and whatever. He's like, and so I, I think that's interesting to say, yeah, part of this is also the war of efficiency, right? Where oh, yeah. We're saying it's not efficient to slow down and ask how you're doing. It's not efficient oh, yeah. no, no, no. to create no. even the time you and I are doing. Like I'm spending an hour with you all this morning doing this right. instead of spending an hour making maybe a follow-up call that could make business. my company money yeah. or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's part of this angle. That's part of the angle too. Yeah, I love that. No, that's important because I mean, for people who know about the Enneagram, like they even say different countries have, have are connected to different numbers. So the United States would be like a three, which is the need to achieve, need to succeed. And you don't want to do anything that's not efficient and relationships aren't efficient. Yeah. Listening is not efficient. So nobody listens. Everyone's just listening to think about what they want to say next, <laughs> like to actually hear your words and weigh them takes so much energy. Yeah. And I think you're right, Drew. That's something that, you know, even as like, you know, men or people in our mid thirties, it's like, we got so much going on. Like what a, a healthy practice to be like, okay, where are you intentionally like slowing down and just yeah. engaging with a person? Intentionally you know? inefficient. You know? Yeah. You're being well, inefficient on purpose. You're just yeah. like wastefully drinking that cup of coffee with a friend at noon or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I'm wasting well, time with you. Well, cause we have such restraints and limits, you know, depending on where you're at and, you know, different stages of life. But I mean, in our stage, it's like, there's such little time anyway, that I think you do have to like, you know, recognize like, all right, I got some serious limits on yep. myself. So I can't 
go relationally deep with so many people it's kind of like you have to recognize like if if i'm going to be connecting in community and have like a depth to it there's limits to it so i mean that's why i think oftentimes you know it's like we've got to think about immediate family as like the most hyper localized expression of community it's like if i'm like crushing guys nights but my wife feels so <laughs> neglected and my kids think i'm not at like i'm not spending time like that's that bullshit prison? like yeah, that's yeah. That has to be the most hyper local place that we have a conviction of like choosing community is with our immediate family. Mm. But, you know, it's um, but different stages. I mean, I was talking to a girl I work with. She's 23, single. So like her day to day looks entirely different when it comes to community. And it was just a funny example, but she's considering getting a puppy. And for her, having the, the community of a dog to care for would probably be such a great healthy thing and actually another coworker does is kind of same age same stage of life has a dog and said it changed her life right because mm, of this yeah. sense of community and the the way the dog Something's is just like this, when I come home. this companion yeah it's yeah. a companion and i think about it just as like no, i can't have one because more that's living a, thing if there's one more dependent. living thing in my house that i know I for, like, and I'm she was asking me my opinion i was like you don't want my opinion i was like i have <laughs> i have four kids two dogs a cat like my life is <laughs> so different than yours so i all those limits on me make me think of the idea of a dog as a horrible idea you know all i see is yeah. more maintenance more money more more sacrifice but well I, I, the only thing i was going to say is i was just thinking about the the spectrum of community <laughs> so there's like the most hyper localized which i i would say needs to be like the people you're closest with whether it's you know immediate family or immediate friends or whoever's like closest that has to be a place where you're striving to be vulnerable and offer generously to them and being real and authentic with them, which is like super hard. Let's not just say that, like, that's not our default, even with our closest of family and friends, but there's that. But then there's also the entirely other side of the spectrum, which is, I do think there's something powerful. The more we grow and mature, the more we also feel a sense of oneness with the human family, like a connectedness to where, like when I hear of something tragic, in some aspect of the world some part of the world that i am not connected to i think the more evolved we get we start to feel a connection to that whether it's a pain or a celebration like that oneness with everybody is i think also like a spiritual mm. aspiration that is mm. just a no, the other good. you know Dude, the other you... side of the spectrum i'm not trying to i, I do this all the time but it's like you know, you, you feel good about your life. Like it's, it's easy to see something that somebody else experienced, like was really hard or kind of sucks. And you're like, well, I'm so that makes me more grateful for my life. Cause I'm not having that. And like, I'm not saying that's the worst mindset in the world, but it's like, hold on. Like if we're all connected, then I shouldn't feel better about my life because someone else is sucking. Like, at least I don't have cancer. At least I, it's like, hold on, but they do have cancer Yeah, and you're connected to them. I'm not saying you should live as if you have cancer, but like that is their life and you are connected to them. And there's a oneness that I think we should at least, I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird feeling. I, I can't even necessarily put words to it, but I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm starting to feel connected to other people's situations 
especially the hard situations versus being like, oh, glass, not me. Mm. You know, like it almost that makes me feel better about my situation. Um, if we I were talking about makes... the other end of the spectrum, right? Earlier, we were talking about how someone else's success makes you feel less than. Now we're talking about someone else's tragedy makes you feel better than. Exactly. You know? It's the same, but it's the it's same, same kind spectrum. of egocentric, you know, Well, I mindset. think it's the illusion of separation, right? That like, we're talking about the symptoms. What's the root cause is a belief that we're separate. And yeah. maybe part of the healing is starting to believe that we're connected and that it's not me versus because that's a separation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all relationships, man. Oh, anything yeah. that's happened. I mean, when I think about my life, anything that's that's happened or even anything in the world that significantly happened, it cannot happen outside of relationships. It's all, no one's an island. All right, gents, we're gonna shut it down and shut it down. see you next time. Love y'all, have a good day. Love okay. You. Peace. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the What No One's Asking For podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, as well as potentially leaving a rating for us. That would be so appreciated. Um, also, we'd love to hear from you. It was so fun uh, hearing from some of you last week. So if you would like to connect, you can reach out to us um, at WNAF pod at gmail.com again so you can send us an email at wnafpod at gmail.com thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week